chapter of the book of John, the sixth chapter of the book of John that we have just read during our morning reading this morning. We're going to get into this next portion of our, our next installment, I should say, of our series that we've been going over for the last five weeks. This be part number six. John in chapter six and verse 39, the Bible says, and, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I am come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for who and what you are, for all that you've done. Lord God, we thank you for this day that you've blessed us to be in your house, and we pray that, Lord, as the message is, it comes forth today, we pray as the Word of God is read, that the, 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 the sermon is preached, Lord God, I pray that you would tender hearts and minds, dear Lord, to fall before thy throne today. Dear God, I pray that you would touch men and women and children, dear God, whomever may hear this Word, dear God, today. Touch them, draw them ever so closer to you, dear Lord, that we may be that ambassador in this world that you've given us to represent the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ, in whose name we ask these things this morning. Amen and amen. So, beloved, now we're getting into the area of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ where uh, he, begins, uh, he, he begins, his preaching begins to convict. You know, there, there's many things that we can look at, many examples that we can see through Christ's preaching. We can see when he begins to preach the word, and uh, we would call it today calling someone on the carpet, if you will. And so he begins to, to hit the people square between the eyes with not only the topics, but the authority by which he is preaching. The miracles were great uh, for those in the crowd, but now Jesus Christ begins to preach the word in a manner which requires a response from the hearer. Those who may be listening, those who may be reading, his words now are requiring you to respond, just like this crowd uh, that are here. And many this day we find, because a response is required from the preaching that Jesus Christ himself is laying on the table and not backing down, mind you. He's not backing away. They started getting irritated. He didn't back away. And we find that it begin, begins to see the murmuring within the crowd. Jesus Christ opens up with the presentation of his Father's will in the ministry of Jesus Christ himself being sent to this earth. When I look at this and I see the murmuring that's going on in the crowd here, I can't help but think of, of uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13. 
When you take that journey and you find out that it's Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, the whole time, okay, for 14 years of the Apostle Paul's salvation, we find that it's Barnabas and Saul. Saul took this backseat role. Ten years he's down in Tarsus learning how to suffer loss. Three years he's in Damascus preaching and proving that Jesus was the Christ. Fifteen days uh, he was in Jerusalem with Peter and the other apostles, and then all the people wanted to kill him there, just like they did in Damascus. So they sent him down to Tarsus for him to get some on-the-job training, if you will, his hometown to learn how to suffer loss. And as Paul recorded himself in Philippians chapter 3, that he suffered loss of all things. Amen and amen. But we get that first missionary journey, and we find that Paul and Barnabas land on the Isle of Cyprus. They get there after preaching and teaching in the, the church at Antioch for an entire year. They land there in Salamis. They preach in all the synagogues, and they traverse the island, and they land into Paphos, a city that was under the dark and pagan control of a sorcerer by the name of Bar-Jesus, who was a Jew, mind you, but he was a wicked sorcerer. And he had kept the whole city, especially the governmental people, in darkness, in bondage, if you will. And to draw, the, draw to a close and, and to really just bring the idea so we can move forward this morning. We find as Paul was preaching on the street, Sir Gaius Paulus heard the message and he desired to hear. And Bar-Jesus, or Elymas, as by way of interpretation was his name, he tried to withstand the gospel from getting into Sir Gaius's heart. And then Paul looks over at him, he says, Thou child of the devil, all full of subtlety, will thou not cease to, to, to hinder the gospel of God? And then he cast darkness on that boy from that day forward. And he walked around seeking someone to now guide him as he had guided these people into darkness so long. Sir Gaius believed because of what he saw and because of what he heard. And then all of a sudden you find a, a transitional movement in the leadership of the ministry. All of a sudden you find a, 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 a change of authority to where now it was Paul and his company, okay? The Bible says there in Acts chapter 13, Paul, who, uh, who is also called Saul, he's always had the two names. He didn't get saved and got a new name like we like to sing about. Sounds good to him, but it ain't true. So he had a Roman name, which is Paul, because he was born a free citizen, amen? And he had a Jewish name, he's of the tribe of Benjamin, named after the first king, Saul. Nonetheless, now it was Paul and his company. And we find after that happened, John Mark, the little young man, the young preacher boy, the nephew of Barnabas, decided to go home to Mama. He went home to Mary and left them. He left the work of God, not because, not because he wasn't faithful enough, not because he didn't believe enough. He left because, number one, an authority change. Number two, this isn't what he heard about when Jesus was preaching. Remember, John Mark, guys, was there when Jesus preached. John Mark was in the house when they prayed and Peter showed up out of prison. Hey, John Mark had seen all these things. John Mark had heard Jesus Christ said, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile. Give them, if they ask for your cloak, give them your coat also. He heard all of those things. And now all of a sudden, here's this mighty man of God casting blindness on people, slapping them, rebuking them, calling them childs of the devil, amen. John Mark said, whoa, 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 I wasn't ready for this, man. Hang on, I, I thought we needed to turn the other cheek. I, I thought we needed to, uh, you know, I thought we needed to give my coats and our cloaks and, and all that. And Paul says, no, this is a whole different dispensation, son. These people are going to get saved. And the child of the devil, we're going to rebuke to the face. And it should not have shocked anyone. It really shouldn't have. It did, I understand. But when you go back to John chapter 6, 
And we see the change of direction in the preaching. When you see Jesus Christ not backing down, he said, I'm the bread of life, and he holds to that statement. He said, I came down from heaven, my Father sent me. He presents his Father's will in the ministry of why Jesus Christ was sent on this earth, which is known as the ministry of reconciliation. Read with me again verses 39 and 40. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. He doesn't back off of that. That of all which hath, uh, he hath given me, I should lose none. There's eternal security there. Can't argue with that. But should raise it up again at the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me. Who's that? The Father. In verse 39. That everyone which seeth the Son, that's Jesus Christ, and there is the condition, believeth, watch this, on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus Christ does not back down for the reason he's here. He holds this preaching to be true. He's on the backside of feeding thousands upon thousands of people miraculously with five uh, barley loaves and two fish. He's on the backside of the disease being healed and all these people following him, walking on the water and all these things. He's on the backside of all these beautiful, wonderful miracles. And now we find he's revealing to the people, this is why I'm sent. Not for the barley loaves and fishes, not for the disease to be healed, but that they may believe on me because of who sent me. The Apostle Paul speaks of this ministry in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 17 and 19. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself. How? By Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. My soul, man. Jesus Christ came here according to the Father's will. He was sent by the Father in heaven to die the death upon the cross, to be buried in the grave according to the Scriptures, to rise again the third day victorious, to rob the, the, the sting of death, all to reconcile mankind unto God. The very ministry we are given today to preach the gospel. So, beloved, how do we get this murmuring occurring? We find, we find that his preaching, it brings us a cause of alarm to the people, if you will, to the listener. They're happy with the healing of the disease. They're happy with the raising of the dead. They're happy with the feeding. Give me another meal. They're happy. They're loving all that stuff. But now we find the murmur again because, there's, because of the cause of the murmur. What is it? What is the cause of the murmur? Look with me back in verse 41 with me, if you will, please. Verse 41 tells us the Jews then murmured at him. Why? Because he said, I am the bread of life, which came down from heaven. Beloved, they begin to murmur because in verse 35, Jesus Christ said, I'm the bread of life. We know by the last verse in our text this morning, he said, I am that bread. He, hey, he, he removes all doubt. He removes all, all hesitation. He says, I am that bread that came from heaven who's going to reconcile mankind unto the world. I love what John the Baptist's proclamation was when Jesus Christ was coming to the River Jordan to be baptized. He said, behold, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Here is the problem, and pay attention closely here. This is why the murmuring began. The cause of them murmuring against the Lord, their faith 
And they had faith. Don't, don't think they didn't have faith, okay? Don't, don't look back at the Old Testament and say there was no faith involved. Faith was involved. Works was as well. Signs and proof was as well, okay? Yes. But don't think they didn't have faith. Don't think they didn't have faith in something. God had given them an order to follow, sacrifices to follow, and their faith had to be in God. That sacrifice and that order that they followed would do exactly what God said it would do. So, so don't, don't think they had no faith. It was all proof positive and all you know, scientific data and whatnot. The problem was their faith, their root of belief, was rested in the manna which fell from heaven over a thousand years ago at that time. They were looking backward, my friend, not forward. They were happy to take the meal. They were happy to have their loved ones healed. But when Jesus Christ, and listen carefully, when Jesus Christ started meddling with their belief system, hang on, they started murmuring. Now, we look at them today, and we look at John chapter 6, and we shake our head, and we wag our head, and we look down our nose at them, and we can't believe that they would do something like that. They should have known, and blotty, blotty, blotty. But are we not guilty of the very same thing? Majority of our believers today, throughout these valleys, you know what they hear, you know, you know what they like to talk about? <clears throat> well, the Welsh revival. There ain't a soul in here right now that's alive in 1904. If you are, you were, you good-looking people for being that old. Not one person. Furthermore, let me tell you this. In the early 1900s, a preacher by the name of Thomas Price, an independent Baptist preacher, came into this valley. Wasn't part of the Welsh Revival. Bible believer to the core. And he started planting churches throughout the Cunning Valley. He planted over 30 independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist churches. Majority of them all Welsh-speaking. Some of them were split different, Welsh and English, had two services. Two-service thing in the morning time, that's nothing new. We think it's new. We think the modern crowd, they do that. They've been doing that for ages. Thomas Price had a combined membership of 7,248 people throughout this valley. Mixture of 30 churches, most of it. Coal miners, migrant workers from coal miners, used to baptize in the, in the river out here. That was before it was filled with hypodermic needles and everything else. They'd come together for fellowships. They'd come together for meals. They'd come together for baptisms. He was a Bible believer to the core. As a matter of fact, one of his preacher boys took over Growl Baptist Church, which is Growl Street Baptist Church, which is, was on Regent Street. I hadn't figured that one out yet. It burned down the building. Deal. It's not there anymore. He planted, a, he planted that church. He started it and put one of his preacher boys over it. That preacher boy got mixed up in his head and started mixing up Pentecostal charismatic or crazy uh, charismatic uh, um, doctrine and Mormonism. How you do that, I have no idea. But he did. Thomas Price walked down the street from where his church was just up the way, walked down there one night and says, you're going to have to leave. He says, I will not. He grabbed him by the nap of the neck physically took the keys from him and sent him on his way yeah oh today oh can you believe no that's what a man would do right, and i'll get be honest with you I, I think it should be done more amen that's a good place to say amen preacher 
We're such a weak little society we live in today. Anything that doesn't go their way, they, they, they get in an uproar and they want to turn back and, oh, I can't believe this. Well, you better believe it. Jesus Christ had a backbone. He's preaching the truth here. What do they do? They start murmuring. Preacher comes into the valley, starts preaching the truth. They want to murmur. Why? Because they want to hold on to what happened 100 plus years ago. Well, the Welsh revival this and the Welsh revival that. You rarely ever hear them mention the Cunning Valley Revival in 1859, which was a real true revival, 40-some-odd thousand people saved just in this valley. We want to hang our hat on the sensational one. Hang our hat that produced a vile and wicked Pentecostal movement that is still eating up our, our country today. Why am I bringing this up? Why am I mentioning this up today, guys? We, have a, we hold to tradition more than you think we do. And we look at these Jews here who are murmuring against Jesus Christ, and we're like, man, they shouldn't do this. And they're hanging their hat on that manna that fell a thousand some odd years while Jesus Christ is, is giving them a shellac and a preaching. And yet we do the same thing. We hang back on this, what happened a hundred years ago. Beloved, you can only live off past blessings so long. Residual revivals, you can only live off them for so long. You'll die on the vine if you keep looking back. It's time to start looking forward and get away from traditions of what once great movement occurred. Guys, if they were so locked into their past, they should have understood exactly what was happening. They, they should have understood what was happening. I understand those who, matter of fact, they should have understood what was going to happen to them. Miriam, we find, and, uh, uh, is a prime example. In Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 10, the Bible says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath not the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? So all of a sudden, Moses marries a woman they didn't agree with, they didn't like. So they say, Well, is he the only one God's talking to? Think about it now. Hath he not also spoken by us, and the Lord heard it? Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the, uh, the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of a cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and said, and, and they both came forth, and he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you. I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful, is in all mine house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. In other words, plain speech. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. You see, we, look, we have a tendency to look back in the past, and we want to hold to those things, the manna that fell, the revival that occurred, the soul that was saved 50 years ago. And we want to hold to these things and say, this is what it is. And then we rebuke what is going on now in the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, just like Jesus Christ changing these gears going, this is my will, this is the Father's will, this is why I'm here, ministry, ministry of reconciliation. Those who believe on me are going to have everlasting life. He's preaching this thing, and they're saying, well, wait a second here. Our fathers had manna back here. In other words, give me some manna. Don't give me yourself. And because of tradition, they're holding to it. And the result was them murmuring. 
Their murmuring, guys, is associated here, if you will, with a contradiction. Look in verse 42 with me. Verse 42 says, And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? All of a sudden, guys, they look in, and they're looking into the human side of the Son of God, the Son of Man. Joseph, hey, they're looking at him as Joseph's son, not the Son of God. Hey, wait, we know his parents. He's a carpenter over there. You know, what is he talking about coming from heaven? This is the same one that just fed the thousands. The same one that healed the many. But now his preaching has begun to change, requiring response. So their response was to murmur. That's the cause. Their murmuring was associated with a contradiction of his own words. And yet Jesus Christ, who knows all things, he knows their heart. He's now ready to reveal the way of salvation unto them, as well as what does not save. Look here at the calling with me. Verse 43 through 44, the Bible says, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to, the, come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. I'll raise him up at the last day. So they are focused on what they were, Israel, and who Jesus Christ isn't. They see him as the son of Joseph and Mary rather than the son of God. And so they miss the big picture. Because they're so entangled with what used to be and what once was, they're missing the big picture set right before them. They're essentially, Jesus rebukes their murmuring and essentially tells them, your heritage is not going to save you. In this one verse, verse 44, he lets them know that it is the Holy Spirit of God who will convict the soul's heart to enable them to come to Jesus. Do you understand? And we see it peppered throughout the entire New Testament. The understanding of your Holy Scripture is not through your intellect nor your education, but through the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. If you understand the Holy Scripture tonight, yes, I agree with you. I will tell you, yes, it is going to be part of your, uh, uh, of your studying, your commitment, your dedication, your, your attendance in church, or where you should be under a Bible-believing, teaching, preaching church, and your studying at home. Yes, if you're going to understand, that's how it's going to happen. But you're not going to learn it through the education of your own mind, but it's going to be through the moving of the Holy Spirit of God inside of you because they're spiritually discerned. This is why we teach dispensationalism. This is why we teach to put things where they belong. The Holy Spirit of God will bear witness with you concerning the inerrant, preserved, purified Word of God. It'll speak to you. You'll understand it, but you'll understand it through the movement of the Holy Spirit. Please understand that today. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and in verse 17, he says, God is faithful who, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made not effect. The moving, the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God is what is going to move you and is what's going to move me in our life today. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 6 it says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So before we start to think that what Jesus Christ is saying here in verse 44 is a Calvinistic predestinated verse, understand that all salvations are by way of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't relinquish us of our duty as Christians to be a witness because our job is to plant that seed and to water that seed and let God bring the increase. We can't save anyone. Jesus Christ makes it very clear here in the midst of this situation he makes it very clear that there is a calling 
they got to be open for. And this is how it works. The Word is the seed. It is planted and then watered. But the Holy Spirit of God, which brings forth salvation of the soul, that's what happens. So without delay, we find that Jesus Christ opens up the door of this calling. He opens up the door of this calling, and uh, He rebukes their contradiction by speaking of this calling, and He brings a confirmation of Himself. If you notice through the teaching and the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, He always refers to, as it is written, thus saith the prophets. Look there in verses 45 and 46. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. That's a reference to himself. But these words, guys, since they wanted to refer what used to what happened, when they wanted to refer to history, they wanted to refer to, well, our, our Father's got heaven, the Lord simply says, it is written. And he's speaking of Isaiah 54, verse 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall the peace of thy children. So here we have, basically, the introduction to one of Jesus Christ's hardest sermons that he preaches. He brings it unto the table. We find that there is a cause for their murmuring. That cause is associated with a contradiction of his own words. Jesus Christ reveals a calling. He brings a confirmation of himself. And finally, in a beautiful form of our Lord and Savior, he finishes the introduction of his sermon with conviction to the people. Notice verse 47 48. He doesn't back down. He holds strong to his teaching. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And he, he ends that statement. Let me, let me back up. He reinforces that statement. Saying, I am that bread of life. You're looking for manna. You're looking for what your father's got that came every day and enough portions to get through just today. I'm that bread of life that will give you everlasting life. I'm Jesus Christ is saying, I'm that bread of life. Guys, listen, he double downs on the bread of life. He consecrates uh, his position in the position of the word of God that he is the only way to eternal life. He's making it crystal clear of what is needed for salvation. And the days of temporal sacrifices, he's showing them, those are coming to an end. The times of the covering of sins are drawing to a close. Salvation is believing, listen to this, on the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation. He's saying those days are upon us. He's making it clear in the sermon. As a matter of fact, he makes it clear in the introduction. Jesus Christ has more meat in his introduction than most preachers have in their entire message today, Amen. Guys, you know, it was, the, it was the Philippian jailer when that earthquake happened who came and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, and, or they say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. This is what Christ is saying in John chapter 6. The very answer that, that, that Paul and Silas are giving to that Philippian jailer that night after being beaten and earthquake and locked down on the floor and all the prisoners coming unto him. Hey, we're all here. You know, harm, harm not thyself. And he sees a, basically a prison house revival, amen. I've seen many men come to the Lord Jesus Christ in the prison house. I've seen many women come to the Lord Jesus Christ in the prison. That's where I cut my teeth in preaching, was right in the jails and right in the prisons. 
some of the most, some of the most secure prisons in all of the United States of America. I preached and doubled down on the gospel and had been there with killers and murderers, those who were getting ready to be, to be transferred to death row. I've sat there days before they were moved to death row and preaching the gospel. And one of them, Kadonjalate Berry, who, who was there, he was in prison on death row, sentenced to death. For a, for a drive-by shooting that, and a crossway killed a young girl in the midst of a, a shooting at a grocery store. And when him and his, his mate were arrested, when they came in through night court, uh, they were cutting up and they were laughing. Uh, well, his, uh, his partner was cutting up and they were laughing as of what happened. Godangelate sat in my service just to the right side, and I was pinning my ears back, and I was preaching the gospel and preaching the gospel. I was hammering it through. His first night there, and I noticed it looked like he had a, he kept smiling. And I would stop the service, and I'd say, something funny to you, sir. And he goes, no, no, sir, no, sir. And three, four times that happened. And finally, at the end of the service, I kept seeing this smirk come back. And I brought him up, and I said, listen, man. I said, I, what's your name? He said, my name is Kadonjale Berry. And I remembered, because he had been arrested the first couple of weeks I had moved to that city. I said, what are you laughing about? He goes, I'm not laughing. This is just my face. And I went back to the outcry in my mind on the news when him and his mate came in and his mate was sitting there smiling and laughing and Kadanjali was just stood there with a natural face that looked like a smile. He came week after week after week in the prison house knowing that his date was sealed, knowing that his, hey, his future, he was going to be uh, in the gas chamber or in the uh, uh, injection chamber, he was going to be put to death uh, not too long. He knew that. The last time I saw him before he was sent over, he said, preacher, Keep chipping away. You're getting through. Keep chipping away. My friend, we've, we look tonight and we wonder why in the world should we, or today, why should we preach hard? Why should we bring the gospel truth? Guys, because it is the only way into salvation. The traditions and what happened last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, 1,000 years ago, hey, that is great and wonderful for them. But guys, we need to look at today. We need to look at family members, loved ones, neighbors, coworkers that are here today. Those that are, that are going to die a death and spend eternity in the devil's hell, we need to look at them today and understand that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the Father's will. And that was so that people would believe on him for everlasting life. And that jailer just says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. This is the question of the ages, but it's the answer for all eternity. The Lord has laid the groundwork with these people this day in John chapter 6, and they are willing to enjoy the miracles, but their character is revealed in their murmuring. The truth remains, nonetheless. The reality of the movement of the Holy Spirit of God and finally the conviction of the everlasting life, uh, the truth of Jesus Christ being the bread of life, or rather yet that bread of life is found in his words, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. There's the difference. This is the difference right here, believing in and believing on. All of these souls this day, including the murmurs, they believed in Jesus Christ. They're looking right at him. He has stood right before them. They know he's there. They're listening to his every word. They received a great meal from him. They've seen the loved ones raised from the dead. All of these things, all of those things were real. They believed in him. And countless souls today, they believe Jesus Christ was a great man of the past. False religions will teach that he was a great and wonderful prophet of his time. And I'm telling you here tonight, that, or today, that will not save you. Well, I believe in one God, preacher. It doesn't matter. The devils also believe and tremble. 
They're struggling to believe on Jesus Christ is the key. And this morning, your faith on Jesus Christ is the answer to salvation. You guys have heard me time and time and time again use the same illustration between in and on. You know, Brother Davith and I for years have, have trained together. We, we've worked out, that's how we met. We met in the gym. And we're not demonstrating anything, so don't get nervous. I remember years ago, what it's been eight years now, it's probably better part of six or seven years ago. We had a partner workout that he and I did and had fireman's carries in it. And you should have heard him complain. Well, I get the short end of this deal, now don't I? (laughs) But you know what? I have a firm belief today that if Brother Davith did not have faith that I could pick him up on my back and carry him the distance to and from, He'd have never got on, would he? No, he wouldn't have. He'd be a fool to get on somebody that's going to drop him on his head. Yeah? He trusted me enough. You know what that is? He knew I was there. I was living, breathing, talking, chatting, cutting up, having fun. I was there. So believing in me was very easy. Believing on me was proven when Dad jumped on the back. And my friend, that may, may be a, a weak little illustration, but I'm going to tell you this. That's where Jesus Christ brought them, and even the the murmurs that day. He was there physically. They received a meal from him. Their loved ones were healed as a result to him. But the change of direction in the message was, you got to believe on me for salvation. you got to believe that I was sent by the Father and according to his will from heaven. That's the key today. So, beloved, let me encourage you here this morning. If you're here this morning, or if you're listening online, If you have an educated or an intelligent belief in Jesus Christ, that's not going to save you. If you acknowledge him as a great and wonderful prophet of old or a good man or this and that, that's not going to save you. The only thing that's going to save you this morning is believing on Jesus Christ. Put in your unfeigned faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ according to Scripture. That's the only thing today that will save you. Jesus Christ's introduction has more meat in it than you can ever imagine. And he's simply saying, I'm that bread of life. If you want to be saved, you're going to believe on me, not just in me, but on me that I am the Son of God, that I will sit by the Father according to his will, that today you can have everlasting life if you will receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. That's your choice this morning. So you have a choice today to receive Jesus Christ. You don't have a choice and the consequences if you do not receive them. Those are up to him. We bow your heads this morning. We're just going to take a few moments here. If you'll just bow your head before we close in prayer. Just bow your heads this morning, and I want you to think deeply today. Have you ever come to that point in time in your life, past day, past week, past month, past year, or multiple years, where Jesus Christ had to be so real to you that you put every drop of your faith on him as opposed to just believing in who he was. Where is your faith sealed today? Is it in the traditions of what happened a hundred years ago? Is it in the revivals and the meetings that happened throughout our country the last several hundred years? 
Or is your faith today rooted and grounded in that which is eternal? The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never made a public profession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm just going to simply challenge you to do so. Now, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, if you're here today between me, you, and God, no one looking about, I'm not going to come to your seat. I will not embarrass you. I promise you that this morning. But if you're here today and you're struggling with that particular part that you may have never placed an unfeigned faith on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, all I want to do is pray for you today. I won't do anything past that point, but I'll ask God to tender and touch your heart. You've heard the gospel. But if that's you this morning and you're here today and you're dealing with that, just between me and you, just slip the finger up. Just slip the finger up quickly and put it back down this morning. Anyone here today say, I'm struggling with my faith on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I promise you, between me, you, and God, anyone here this morning say, I'm struggling. Just I covet your prayers, preacher. Just pray for me. Anyone at all. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity this time to be here this morning. We ask of you today to bear witness of this, well, really, of Jesus' introduction. And we know as the Lord Jesus Christ began, began to preach and call on the carpet and, and preach in the manner that he, he did and he does, Father, that a great and wonderful, wonderful movement would happen, but some of it was not what we want. So my heart goes out to every soul that is present this morning, and I simply ask of you that if you will today, Touch the lives of every man, woman, and child in this building this morning. My prayer is that you would move them in such a way that they would draw close to you. And Lord, if there be any within earshot today who is not sealed unto the day of redemption, any within earshot this morning, dear God, that has never made that profession of faith, that conviction by the word of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit, I beg of you to ask them, dear God, to convict them and bring them to the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And dear God, we ask all of these things in his name for glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, I hope, hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today by some tragedy, this was the last moment you had on this earth. When you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. 
The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment with, for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what would, what would stop you right here, right now, from bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. Hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.